Chris Formsby here, president of Burlap. Thinkburlap.com is where you can find us. I'm here with Chris Abel. Hello. I was, I was thinking, Chris, we might as well just call you a co-host from now on instead of just my colleague or my friend. I think you're going to be around long enough for, for that. So I'm here with co-host Chris Abel. I've already got an upgrade. Uh, yeah, you got an upgrade, a promotion. And Chris is the young adult pastor at the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection. And we work together a lot. I get a chance to work with him almost every day as uh, doing discipleship at Church of the Resurrection as well. So today's podcast is about three things. I'm going to ask Chris about his current ministry. What is he encouraged about? What is he discouraged about? I'm going to we're going to go back to thinking about something that was said on the previous episode about young churches, hip churches, sort of these trendy, almost neoconservative, neo-fundamentalist churches that we see lots of people flocking to. We're going to talk around that. And then lastly, I've asked Chris to lead a devotional for us from the book of Job. So those are the three things we're going to do. I want to start with asking you, Chris, as you work with young adults every single day in your ministry, are you feeling encouraged, discouraged? How are you feeling about your daily ministry right now with young adults? I think it always depends on what what, what day of the week it is and how ministry has gone that week. I don't know about you, but I find that like my feelings about my ministry area kind of, you know, they ebb and flow definitely. But I'm in a high point today. Awesome. We, we do our young adult um ministry you know i don't like to call it a program whatever but it is kind of like yeah it's a thing on the side right. uh, it's not the main event but it's something we offer right. and so we we uh we set record numbers last night and uh it was just good energy and for me there's uh you know one of my i, I don't know if you've ever taken strength finders absolutely but uh yeah. you know i'm i'm a positivity person there's some other you know connector there's uh-huh. some other stuff there where you know i create energy it's part of part of what i do and but it's you know if you're in ministry in any sense of leadership you always you're at some point you're going to be the energy generator, right? Like you have to be the one who generates like the highest level of, of excitement about something. I and think that's why, by the way, I think as you're talking about that, I think that's why so many people can kind of d- determine right away. Is this person leading really bought into this or are they just mm-hmm. manufacturing this energy? Right. And I think that's a key. You can't thing. sustain f- false energy yeah. about something. And so what I found is that there's a turning point with any kind of ministry, right? Where like you're the only one generating energy around something or excitement, enthusiasm, passion, whatever you want to call it, to where it spreads. And it always surprises me, I think, when it, when I feel like, oh, I'm not the only one bought into this. And so that's where our ministry lately has changed. And it's really exciting. Uh, you know, and I feel like I, you know, I came on board, you know, less than a year ago, and we didn't have any energy around it. So I was, you know, started with kind of, I mean, there were supporters, but from young adults themselves, there's no energy. Yeah. And so um, literally no one in our ministry was there. Uh, has They've all been here less than a year, which yeah. is really cool. That's fantastic. And let me ask you this about energy. I mean, I get energy as it relates to you as a leader, exposing people to the energies, the passion, the creativity, and the things that you bring. But what defines a room full of energy? Like you said last night, there was lots of energy. What yeah. would, how would you classify that energy? I mean, you've kind of alluded to it, but what are some of the things that you'd say, there's energy because this is happening? Well, I, I think first that there's clarity. You know, we have to clarify that that for a lot of people, you know, this might sound consumeristic, but um, you know, they they make a role, they make a call in their head the the day of, the hour before, the fifteen minutes before they show up, right? Of like, do I want to go to this thing or not? And there's like an internal kind of like a, a battle of you know, will and, and ultimately, I think what for most people, it comes down to like, is this going to add value to my life or not? 
And so when you get energy, it's actually a more people who realize like this adds value. And I, when you have people say like, this is the highlight of my week, this is my favorite night of the week. This is where I, you know, I come to recharge where that battle becomes less and less or weighed more and more towards I'm going than I'm not going. That's where I think energy really makes the difference. So that's how, that's how I like on the spot kind of, uh, see it play out is you know, when people are excited to be there, you know, that's, that's and some of the signs of that would be conversation without having you having to drum it up. Yeah. Laughter, joy, right. People talking, people talking other, sharing, inviting, coming early. Yeah. I'm staying late, yeah. doing can, something afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Last night I, we, we, you know, our church has kind of a, a hard line stance on, on, on alcohol. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. much to talk about this, yeah. but so we do, an, we do an unofficial hangout at, yeah. the, at a local restaurant afterwards. And so people, uh, people just voluntarily come out, you know, yeah. I don't have to run it at all. People just show up right. and they hang out and they, they eat and drink together and like communities forming. And then last night we even had, I have a few young guys and they're the hardest group to reach. And a few young guys come over and play video games. And so I'm, I'm just a bachelor. And so I have this big projector screen set up where we're sitting right now, actually. And, um, and they came over, we played some video games and it was just, you know, till 11 PM. And that's not part of my job. That's just, that's yeah. just awesome that I'm building. Like these, these guys want to hang out, not yeah. just from, for an hour, but like all night, Yeah, which is so not for, for people trying to figure out how to reach and engage millennials and generation Z. We might even include there. We like to use the word young adults at church of the resurrection. It just yeah. kind of fits our context. People use all kinds of words, but if people were going to evaluate, or I guess, um, put some metrics around success or effectiveness. Those are some of the things I think people should look for. Joy, laughter, people staying late, coming early, uh, the energy. So sometimes I think people automatically go to numbers, right? Say, well, I'm a small church and we only had 10 people come out. Well, 10 people then, you know, cares about the number. What what are you noticing about the people who Mm -hmm. are there? Like you said, well, we left the event, the experience that was on church. We went, we went across the street, went to another establishment, and a bunch of people came. That's a great sign. Even if three people go, four people, five people, it's a start towards developing a community and some momentum towards building yeah. a thriving young adult ministry. And we'll, and we'll touch on this later, too, when we talk about what churches are attracting young adults because that same thing is, is happening across the board. Um, there's a few things if, you know, there's a few elements though, that I think you can follow to help create that. And and it's almost like boiling water, right? You put, you put water on the stove and it's not going to boil right away. You know, you're the, you're the coil or the flame under the pot of water. And so you've got to have enough propane or electricity in your tank or whatever it is. And part of that's going to be your own devotion, your scripture reading, prayer, spiritual practices that you can continue to be a tool that, you know, heats that water. But um, it's going to take some. You're going to see just a few bubbles at first, right? You're not going to be able to see the the the, the excitement, the joy. I mean, uh, some of you might have ministries like that already, but I guarantee someone at some point was the coil underneath. You know, I, I have an electric stove. I don't whatever <laughs> analogy you want to use, right? Yeah. But um, a few things that I've seen that help create that. One is, you know, young adults, millennials, even Gen Z, they can immediately tell when something. When, some, when a leader has put effort into something, mm-hmm. they can tell when you're coasting. We just sniff it out. And so I think um, one way to show that you're being intentional about things is um, is including novelty. Is don't just do things the same way that you've always done it. Like that's a surefire way of showing someone that you don't care or that you're not trying hard. You know. And so there's a there's a little bit of you don't even have to be a creative person to do this, but when you try new things or you incorporate new ideas, you know, I, I like to call it novelty because. 
these days, you know, coloring books were really big for a while. Right. Why? There's something. There's nothing cool about coloring books. It was like it was a novelty. Uh-huh. Coloring books at a bar. Coloring books in a you know cafe. You know, just it was like, oh, this is weird. Like this is isn't normal. You know, and it's going to come and go as a fad. But novelty is thinking about things in different ways. So for me, this year we we uh, we filled up a mission trip uh, for young adults that we we haven't done in. I don't. Someone told me we've never had a young adult service trip, and we're going to Denver this this summer, and we're calling it Missions in Mountains. And we're actually it it costs them the same amount, and they have to have a more uncomfortable experience because we're staying in tents at a campground. But we're going to go hiking. We called it Missions in Mountains, and we're going to go serve in the inner city, Denver. And we're staying at a campground. And then one day on Sunday, we're going to go. We're going to have a, a mountain a, a mountain hiking day and do a service, um, do worship on the on a mountain nice. somewhere. And like it's not the mission trip you do. We've churches have done for two thousand years, yeah. right? But there's a little bit of novelty involved, and it, it just gets their attention. It's not just white noise anymore. So that's that's one thing that I've seen. I don't know how we're doing with time, but, you know, I could go No, go on. ahead. Yeah, right. keep sharing on that. Because, I mean, I think that what you're describing, you know, you, you when I asked you, are you feeling encouraged or discouraged? You said, well, I'm, I'm encouraged today, but some days it's not like that. I think what you're about to say with novelty, the first thing, and then and as you continue, I think what you're going to help us learn is that it's in the discouraging times or maybe in the, the moments where we don't feel like we're seeing much fruit or success or effectiveness or whatever words you want to use, that you got to hold on to something. What are you holding on to? The first thing you've mentioned is novelty. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, mission trip is a mission trip. Let's change it up a little bit. Let's invite people to be a part of it, the whole thing, and enjoy all the aspects of it rather than just promoting as one simple aspect. So I think the novelty, not only of, in promotion, but what you're actually going to go and do and how that triggers ultimately uh, back to the development of what you're trying to accomplish overall. So it's a small part of what you're doing, but yeah. it, I think it's going to have a tremendous impact. So and, what, what would be yeah. some other things during the discouraging moments that you'd say, hold on to these things? One, novelty. Two, what? I'd say another thing you, you've got to hold on to is um, – Man, is, is collaboration is it can be so lonely, right? It can be so lonely to have a vision for something, a calling. Um, I mean, Moses, right? When he encountered the burning bush, like that's really cool. God's talking to you, but he kind of says at one point, you know, well, you know, I don't have the right gifts for this, and God sends his brother to go alongside of him. Elijah at one point is like calling down fire from heaven, and then he he the next day he wants to die, right? And and he, and when he goes up on the mountain. 40 days later and God's like, what do you want? He says, I'm the only one. Yeah. And there's like this, there's this feeling of isolation. Leadership can be incredibly lonely. And so you have to collaborate for your own soul and for the health of your ministry, especially with young adults is today. I sat in a meeting and, um, and you know, uh, one of these leaders at our church just talked at us and didn't ask for any, there was no collaboration. And again and again, I saw every millennial in the room just lose steam and lose morale. And I thought, you know, this this person probably thinks that they're that they're doing us a favor by spending time with us, but it's not actually collaboration. And that we want to be seen and identified and heard, even if it doesn't get our way. We want to know that we're having a conversation, that our voice matters to the people we're working with. And that's as a millennial. And so I try to do this with with uh, the young adults this evening. After a little later, I'm going to meet up and provide some dinner and some wings for some of my young adult leaders. Which, by the way. They don't like – I don't call them leaders, and they refuse <laughs> to be on a leadership team, but I just create opportunities for them to come brainstorm Absolutely. with me and help me think yeah. what our events are going to look like. I used to say this when I was doing a lot of training. 
um, with youth specialties and group and all kinds of other youth ministry organizations, we used to say a lot that a lot of times these people, whether they're parents or volunteers in the church or even the students themselves, they don't really want to be called a leader. They don't want to assume what they think that means, even though you might have a totally different view of what that is. But when you start using words like participate or contribute, especially contribute, when you use the word, hey, do you just want to help us contribute to what we're trying to do? It's like, well, you are asking me to be involved in what's really important to you. Yeah. And there's something, I think, critical about that as we engage leaders of all ages, but particularly young leaders and we, or should I say young contributors? Yeah. Leaders, leader is such like an intimidating word. I, even I think back on, I remember when I was in my twenties and I went to a university that focused on servant leadership, so leadership, leadership, leadership. And I remember thinking like, this is lame. Like, I don't want to be a leader. Why do you keep talking about this? Like you guys are so ego driven, you know, it just like leader was actually a bad word. It left a bad taste in my mouth. And so I don't know if that's, I mean, just from my own experiences, you can't get someone to leader, but you can get someone to collaborate. Yeah. I even use the word think tank. Yeah. Help me brainstorm with some yeah. stuff. Yeah. I'm putting together a think tank. We're just going to think about, you know, people like to give ideas right. again, not even creative people. They'll contribute. They yeah. might listen process for a little while. So, and yeah. that also helps get buy-in. It's a slow boil and it creates energy so that they're tied together. So yeah. when we're discouraged or having the days where we don't feel like what we're doing is making any difference, we want to hold on to that aspect of how can we be creative? You called it novelty. Mm-hmm. We want to, Definitely hold on to collaborate. You're not by yourself. You're not meant to be by yourself. And when you do lead by yourself, it's super lonely. Sometimes people are in a situation where that's just the way it is, and it takes some time. Like you said, the water's just not going to start boiling. It's going to take some time to develop and, cult- and, and the kind of culture where that can thrive. What else? What's another thing that people can hold on to? You know, the last one's kind of a buzzword, but I think it's a buzzword because it's meaningful to people, especially this next generation. Um, is uh, narrative, or I might say like storytelling. And so, you know, that one, again, uh, it can be so easy to just see the white noise in ministry, the demands every week. Um, you know, you might not see changes like when you're right up front. I feel that way about weight loss sometimes, like <laughs> being on a diet or trying to get into shape. Like it feels like nothing's happening for a while. But um, you need to remember like the stories of people and the narratives of their lives. And so, um, you know, I'm actually surprised by this, but our Tuesday night event, every single week I bring in someone to um, to interview, I, I, you might call it a guided testimony. Uh, I just people from the community, young adults. Last night we talked about how do you talk about faith in a way that isn't doesn't weird people out, right? And just with like a you know twenty two year old guy, and just telling the stories makes people feel closer and feel like they know you. And when you hear people's stories, you feel like you know them. And it's not about just showing up. It's not about preaching. It's not about learning, and it's not about emotion necessarily. There, there's an aspect of ministry uh, when you focus on narrative. I mean, the whole Bible's narrative, and we don't we don't learn that lesson from the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Like the majority of the biblical text is full of stories, and you feel like you know these people. We feel like we know Jesus because we got the narrative, not just his teaching, not just the you know the the list of things we should do. We we got a story, and um, you know this can apply to two different ways. I think it's attractive to millennials. I think it's attractive of all ages, but I think it's especially attractive to millennials and Gen Z because um, we're in environments that still are like top down education. So like I'm the teacher and I educate you. I'm the pastor. Here's what you need to know. Again, it's not collaborative and that, that, you know, you feel, you can tell when it's not real, but when you tell stories, it's mean, it's authentic. It's real. You can feel people's passion. You can feel their problems, their struggles, the questions they have. So that's one aspect. And the other side of that 
is you get encouraged, right? When you hear like I, this, someone, a young woman was telling me she's been going to our church for a few years. And I said, D- did you know any of the people that you're friends with now six months ago? She said, no, I didn't know a single other young adult at our church. And it blew my mind. I thought, right. wow, she has all these friendships because we're willing to you know, put the work in and put the effort in to create this space for her. Yeah. And now she has friendships and connections and growing in her faith. Like those stories encourage me. Yeah. So the story, I mean, I've been saying for years that story, and I'm not the only one who says this right. by the way, but story is the currency of our culture. And I think that's true almost always. I mean, I, I know we have generational differences, but I mean, one of the things that ties people together is story. And I think there's a big difference between, uh, the phrase, let me tell you a story and the phrase, do you remember when, right? Because it, let me tell you a story means, okay, cool. I'm about to get a story. Do you remember when means we shared this narrative together. We shared this story together. And I think what you're saying in the first part of how you articulated story was you brought this person in, you did an interview, you shared that experience, not just with this person that you shared, quote unquote, the platform with, but the whole group. And they're going to remember that. They're going to remember his story as much as they're going to remember your story and then how they felt and the emotions that they kind of connected with in someone telling their story and whether they agreed or disagreed, the opinions they might have formed. But on top of that, as it relates to stories, to the second point you mentioned, specifically about what I call stories of transformation, right? It's happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, People's lives are changing. Now, you go, well, how's that person's life changed? Well, one, in six months, she now knows people she never knew at our church before. Mm -hmm. And that's a start to somewhere. We hope it doesn't end there. We hope the community continues to build. We hope they grow in their faith. But the reality is something worked, right? And we may not even know what worked explicitly, but we know implicitly that what we're doing to create environments where people can grow with each other and grow with God is, in a sense, quote-unquote, working. Not that we're always trying to be pragmatic about everything, but we're definitely looking back saying, where do we hear stories and see stories of transformation? Because if you don't find those yeah. or you're not hearing those, one, you got to ask yourself, am I even doing the right things? And then if you, when you are, you also get to reflect back. Where is that happening? Who's really responsible for this? And the glory gets back to God. And, yeah. and also you get to know, man, what I'm doing actually makes a difference. So so those three things are great. Let's move on. Yeah. All right, let's move on because I know we want to keep our time as, as limited as possible to keep people's attention, so to speak. But I want you to take us back through. We've had some. Okay, so what you don't know is that after the episode last week, Chris and I continue to have some conversations about some thinking and some just general ideas related to why are young people that we see, particularly in our own city, and I don't really know much about ministry in other cities right now. I mean, I get to go and speak in a lot of places and do training all over the country and all over North America, but I really only say I know the context of ministry in Kansas City because that's where I live and do ministry. But here in Kansas City, one of the things that we're seeing is these conservative churches, some might even say fundamentalist churches, which are fine, great. You know, we don't have any problems with these people or the churches. A lot of these guys are my friends, right? Mm -hmm. But they are attracting literally hundreds of young adults. And I can't figure out why. Like, I look at it and I go, it just doesn't make sense to me. Now, it is. I know they're good leaders, and I know their you know their music's good, and it's a place to be friends with people, and their buildings are hip and cool. Especially the ones that I visited a couple of weeks ago it was in a cool loft. I'm like, man, this place just looks mm. cool. But Praise at the Lord. same time, <laughs> at the same time, I'm thinking, is this sustainable? How does this mm. translate 
when culture, to use your words from earlier in our discussion, was it's getting more progressive all the time, but yet something is connecting with them in a way, by them I mean young adults, with in a fundamentalist, conservative, sort of, I don't know, strict the wrong word or rigid the wrong well, word, but I don't, I don't know. Let's talk to that a little bit. What were some of the things that you you came to understand in the, since our last episode? Well, last time we, we mentioned briefly that, you know, this is – this is just data, right? We're not we're not saying that this is good or bad. It just kind of is. Mm-hmm. Right now, you have older generations, the baby boomers, and the silent generation, which are what age? Like, uh, I mean, fifty five plus. Fifty five plus. Combine those two. They right? tend to be, and this is not just um, you know. Sometimes there's a narrative like when you get older, you get more conservative. That doesn't not seem to be happening with younger generations. They've tracked where current age mm-hmm. now versus like when boomers were that age, and there's a pretty big difference. So I, first of all, I just want to nip that. You, know, you might even be listening right now, and you've said that. Like, well, when I was that age, I didn't go to church either. Right. Like that. Don't compare generations in that way because things data is showing that it's not. That's not what's it's, going on. Yeah, it's not comparable. It yeah. just won't be the same. And so, um, but what we're seeing again: older generations can lean conservative, and younger generations, Gen X and Millennials, are leaning more liberal. Uh, with again, that might be. That might be how you talk about race, gender, sexuality, politics, stuff, and education, politics, yeah. sociology, mm-hmm. whatever. And so that, that's just how it is. However, like you said, there's uh, what the, the studies also show that conservative churches are more successful in reaching young adults, and uh, which which seems counterintuitive, right? Yeah, t- totally. That's why we're talking yeah. about it. I and can't so, figure it out. So we really we have two questions, right? Like, why is it working, and and like. Does that have longevity? Like, I think that's an interesting question to ask is, you know, because sometimes in ministry we can be so short-sighted. Like, how do we get results yeah. now? And then, uh, you know, and then but, but will, will they last? Like, yeah. will, you know, ultimately those people stick around? Um, I don't have an answer to the second one about longevity. I have some hunches, um, but I tend to like either personal experience or having some data, and I don't have either with that yeah. particular response. But I have some theory on why these churches are – getting so much um they're working so tractionally and they're pulling in so many millennials and and i guess not gen z necessarily yet but coming yeah um real soon so so one thing is um man like these churches are clear they have such a good um just strong message of clarity of what they're about and this has been my biggest frustration with being part of a mainline denomination is so I grew up more in an evangelical setting, and I became mainline primarily because you know my th- theology changed mm-hmm. over time, and you know the d- denomination we're part of the United, mm-hmm. I'm part of the United right. Methodist denomination, and so um, you know there's a huge spectrum of what you're allowed to kind of be, you know, I, I, almost like almost as wide as Christianity. There, there's so many different kinds of Methodists. I like that. Yeah. Um, but I miss a sense of clarity. Like Methodists kind of like – if you're a Methodist and listening to this right now, you might identify with this. Or your own denomination or your movement or church might sound like this. But like we exist to kind of do good and like Jesus. Like that's what it, <laughs> that's what it feels like sometimes, right? Is that like, well, okay, you know, so does the YMCA or, you know, it just – it doesn't have a sense of clarity what we're about. And so for me, I, I love walking in the doors of a church and knowing exactly what they're about, who they're for why they exist. There's something about that clarity that just, it just feels, I think it's almost a sense of hospitality. Like it's welcoming when you know immediately, you don't have to guess what a church is about. Um, And so I think some of these churches are just really good at clarity. What what has your experience been with some of these churches? Yeah, well, I mean, I, 
I'm looking at it from two different perspectives. The first perspective is like I, I'm curious as to why it's quote unquote working. The pragmatist in me is like, how is this connecting with people? I mean, and it, it, again, it's not about the way people are doing church or their even their theological framework necessarily. I mean, sometimes it is, but really, what it boils down to for me is the statistics I'm seeing about culture becoming more left leaning, if you will, mm-hmm. and then, and I again, I don't. I don't have a problem with that. I'm just saying I'm noticing these things from Pew Research and, and some of the other places, Gallup and all these different places. But then I'm seeing these churches thriving and I'm like, what's the disconnect? Not for the people attending, but for me. Like I can't. So when I attend these places, I'm trying to look at it from the perspective of what can I learn to help other churches figure this right. out. But I'm also looking at it because I have teenagers and I'm saying to myself as a dad, Straight up just as a dad with my 17-year-old, 14-year-old, and 12-year-old, like, what will church be like for them in a decade? Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to make sense of it. Not, I would never call myself a futurist. Some people say, you know, that, uh, they, that they're a futurist. I don't really even know what that means. All I know is that there's certain scenarios that I can see happening, and I'm trying to think about which ones will impact my kids the most. Not just my kids, but I'm seeing even my daughter go, hey, dad, do you mind if I go to this church tonight? Mm. do you mind if I drive downtown and go to this church with my friends? And I'm like, why, why aren't they saying to their parents, do you mind if I go to Megan? That's my daughter's name, Megan's church. Like, why is it always not about coming to my church, but going to somebody else's? And I saw, you see what I'm trying to say with that? that a little more. Well, I'm just trying to say like, my daughter's always asking, can I go to church with X, Y, and Z at their church? Oh, like, and so I'm saying like, Okay, how come their friends are never saying to Megan, Megan, let's go to your church? Yeah. You know? And and I don't – again, I'm early on investigating this. Maybe it's just the dad in me, but the vocational minister in me is going, what does this mean? You know, like it's a yeah. small sampling. It's my own kid and her friends. But I'm like, what does this mean? So I start checking out these other churches, and I think you're right. I think as more I hear you articulated that clarity is a big point. You walk in the door, you know exactly what's – not maybe what's going on because it's your first right. time there, but you know why that place exists. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably why. But what else? I mean, why else in your thinking do you think these places are are experiencing success? And I don't know that we can call it success yet because, to your point, we really right. haven't they're, seen enough of it to see. They're growing. Yeah, right. yeah, they are yeah. growing. But we don't know about we don't know vitality mm-hmm. and sustainability. But And, you know, it, what seems to be um, what happens in a lot of churches, you know, our, our own church is – is the biggest United Methodist church in the country. And it started out the average age when it first started was right. the age of the pastor when he started right. it. So it was a 20 something church and in the nineties. And now, you know, it's yeah. a lot of people in their fifties. So who knows? Some of these churches will grow up with them. I've seen that happen. Yeah, you know, the last church I served, you know, it started with a lot of 20 somethings and now there's a lot of young families. Uh, and, and that's a church in St. Louis. Right. It's, re- it's still reaching a lot of millennials, but they're yeah. more settled millennials. Yeah. So, but, um, no, I think there's another aspect to this. I'm thinking how much this will help or not, but um, you know, some of the studies out there show that people who lean conservative politically and otherwise, um, they actually overvalue or overestimate the sense of unity they have with other people who are, claim the label of conservative. So what they do is they think that their, their opinions and their perspectives are shared by everyone else in that kind of general uh, you know, 
spectrum, part okay. of the spectrum. All right, right, I'm with you. So people who tend to be liberal or, or progressive, they tend to overestimate the sense of difference and unity or individualism. So uh-huh. they think, well, I'm liberal, but I'm not like other liberals. I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of different. I think my own thoughts. And so what ends up happening is you see people who are conservative who, um, you know, value conformity and uniformity. And then you see people who are liberal who uh, value individualism. And so they might think through things or wrestle with issues or ideas or hold certain things more loosely, but then they, they tend to think that they're not, you know, in it, they're not unified with other people. But when you come to church, church exists with a sense of uni- uniformity or conformity, right? Like the, the idea of a bunch of people coming together who share certain beliefs, who practice faith in a certain way, like it actually, it naturally bends towards people who value uniformity more than people who value individualism. So that's going to be one interesting thing. I think that's why this, I mean, personally, that's my opinion why these churches are doing a good job of reaching uh, younger generations is they're just doing a better job of reaching younger generations who value uniformity and want to be part of something. There's something attractive about that. Yeah. Like I, even in me, I f- I'm feel very much like an individual and, and yet like, man, I love the feeling of being part mm. of something bigger than myself. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see as we, yeah. as it transpires. Uh, um, here's how I want to end our yeah. podcast today is I want like for you to share some thoughts that you have from the book of Job and um, whether it's Elihu or, or Elihu or however you want to say it. Um, I want you to talk about this young person and yeah. uh, involvement that he had in Job's life. The least, I feel like this is one of the least known Bible characters out there. So a lot of you are familiar with the book of Job and you have this guy who, um, who just has his life falls apart. And then 30 something chapters are him and his three friends arguing and then usually you've heard that narrative and then at the end of it god responds and rebukes job and you know asks him really cool big divine rhetorical questions and uh, and then it ends with a happy ending but there's a few chapters where this this um character uh, alihu or alihu or some someone can write in and tell us the correct pronunciation <laughs> that's right uh, speaks up and he's a young person and i feel like this he he gets overlooked i've never heard a sermon on this guy but when i was reading through the scriptures um, it just, he just jumped out to me. And so you have Job and you have his three friends and they're arguing. And then this young guy speaks up and this is what he says. This is in Job chapter 32. Um, we're going to start with verse four here. Uh, Elihu had waited while Job spoke for they were older than he. When Elihu saw that there had been no response in the speeches of the three men, he became very angry. And he said, I'm young and you're old. So I held back afraid to express my opinion to you i thought let the days speak let the multiple years make wisdom known but the spirit in a person the almighty's breath gives understanding the advanced in days aren't wise the old don't understand what's right and therefore i say listen to me i'll state my view even i and i love that this is thousands of years old right Mm -hmm. And yet we are hearing generational differences. We're hearing like a young person who's trying to work with this challenge of, all right, so these older people have ideas, they have thoughts, they have opinions. They're not resonating with me. I thought with age comes wisdom, but that doesn't seem to necessarily be the case. So it's my turn to offer my opinion. And what's interesting about this is when God chastises these these human beings, he doesn't chastise Elihu. He chastises Job and his friends. Uh, and in some ways, some scholars even think that Lehu is like the pre, the opener for God. Like this young voice challenges these men before God challenges them himself. So there's this really interesting appeal. And like we could take away a few things from that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, 
a student has to wait 32 chapters before he's allowed to speak, before he <laughs> dares to speak up. And so what I find is I know a lot of young leaders, and myself included, where, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to. I don't want to speak up if it doesn't feel like it's going to get a response. I know a lot of millennials who would rather quit something than than uh, feel like they're unwantingly inserting themselves into somebody else's leadership or committee or church or organization. Right, all the time, it feels like it costs you something to have your voice heard, unless you're invited to speak. And, and so that on the other side, right, you have uh, you have an invitation here for older generations to to kind of realize that you know. The scriptures tell us that wisdom does not necessarily come with age, that this, it's the spirit of God that gives people wisdom. And so uh, maybe there's people in your congregation who God has given a spirit of wisdom who can provide some insight, some help, some support, some think tank, some collaboration mm-hmm. um, that we're overlooking because we, we make the assumption that with age comes wisdom. I don't know. What do you yeah. think? Well, I think – isn't there further along in that passage, isn't there something where Elihu uh, says – we're all like we're all the same. Yeah, I mean, it, right? Is that how does that? The next go? chapter, he says, "I love this." Is from the CEB. Notice that I'm just like you to God. He's like, we're both the same in God's eyes. I was also, I also was pinched from clay. Mm-hmm. Like, how insignificant is that? Like, he doesn't even say molded. Just, like, he doesn't put fancy, right. you know, on the maker's vessel or whatever. Right. Like, no, we were pinched from clay. Right. <laughs> That's an interesting uh, picture. Yeah. I guess. Um, so if you're so application wise, just before we close this podcast, if you're a younger leader, speak up. The spirit of God uh, is in you. Be awakened to that. Say something generously, you know, be kind when some all of that kind of stuff, even though I don't know that Elihu was particularly kind. We don't, <laughs> you know, but I, but on the other side. If you have a maturity and years of experience, if you're, quote, unquote, a seasoned leader, maybe it's time to start asking some younger people what they think. We're all the same. We're all pinched from the same clay, so to speak. We all have the spirit within us. And since we do, why not try to figure this thing out together, right? Let's, let's like, uh, recognize our diversity, our everything from our age differences to our way of life differences. But in, in that, say, Holy Spirit, what are you doing to help us? be more, whatever it is, effective in our community, grow our church, reach more people, whatever it might be. So Mm. that's a good word. I want to encourage all of you guys uh, to go to thinkburlap.com. We're continuing to add resources to thinkburlap.com every day. Burlap is about helping churches reach and engage millennials and Generation Z. We do that through training. We do that through products and resources, through consulting, and through ongoing research. So thanks for listening. Thinkburlap.com. Look forward to a future podcast with you. Thank you.